Let's now turn to the Word of God, and we wish to read God's Word from the Gospel according to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, reading verses 11 through 32. The text will be the last portion of this uh, reading, of this chapter, of this parable, namely verses 25 through 32, which I will not reread after we read our scripture lesson this morning, beginning then at verse 11, as our Lord Jesus here is speaking and as is now recorded here in Luke's gospel. And he said, Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of, this, of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven, and before you I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. <clears throat> now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I've served you, and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed a fat calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. <clears throat> and also our reflection upon that portion which I indicated would be the specific focus for our attention this morning. <clears throat> this parable that we just read, people of God, is familiar obviously to all of you, I'm sure. <clears throat> This is one of the favorite parables for many Christians. Somehow, you know, we never tire of hearing 
this story of our Savior. Now, most commonly, the story is called the parable of the prodigal son. The word prodigal, boys and girls, means wasteful. Or more precisely, as the American Heritage Dictionary defines it, prodigal means marked by rash or wasteful extravagance. And so a prodigal person doesn't just waste his money, which we all do, I'm sure, once in a while, but a prodigal person spends whatever he has in an extravagant manner. He spends everything he has in a reckless and foolish way. And that's exactly what the prodigal son in the parable did, as you heard. He spent his inheritance and money extravagantly and foolishly to impress his friends till all he had was gone. And with them, his friends were also gone. But now, although this son was a prodigal, a better name for him really is a lost son. This is the parable of the lost son. I wish the ESV Bible translation had used that for its heading above this parable, because that's really the main point of this parable of Jesus' story, how this prodigal son was lost, lost in sin, until he was graciously found again by the grace of God. In fact, our Lord Jesus himself sums up that main point of his story when he says in the last sentence of his parable, in the words of the father to the older son, it was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. And also notice, interestingly, that this is the theme of all of Luke chapter 15. If you looked at the headings in your Bibles, you will see that there are three of them in this chapter. The parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and the parable of the prodigal son. And again, as an aside, why didn't the easy translators use the heading, the parable of the lost son? It would have fit so well for this entire chapter. Because in all three of these parables that Jesus told, that's his point. How the lost was found. The lost sheep was found. The lost coin was found. And the lost son was found. And well, that's a glorious truth. That's really the essence of the gospel, isn't it? That's the good news that we celebrate again here this morning as we worship Christ, that he came to save lost sinners like us who are lost in themselves forever, but in the Father's mercy have been found, saved by his Son to live forever. That's the central story of the Bible. And really, it's also the story, you know, of the Lord's Supper as well. That's what, that's what it symbolizes that truth of Scripture as well. However, there's another story within a story which is also true for many sinners, sad to say. There's also the story of the lives of sinners which can be summed up as lost but not found. Lost and still lost. 
And now it's, uh, it's telling. I find it even a little bit jarring that this wonderful parable of the Lord Jesus ends with the story of another lost son who was not found. Well, we kind of wish that this parable had ended before that. At verse 24, where the father exclaims, For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. What a wonderful ending that would have been. Wouldn't that have been a great conclusion? But Jesus doesn't end his story there. He ends it with another son, the older son, and the brother of the one who was found. And what we learn from this parable is that this older son was also lost and needed to be found and returned to the father as a son who had repented and again received the blessing of salvation. I'd like to just briefly this morning, dear friends, consider with you what was wrong with that other lost son. So you and I can learn from him as well in this parable of our Savior. What was his problem? And I think we can identify at least three problems that he had as we listen to what Jesus says here. And the first problem that he clearly had was that he lacked the joy of salvation. And why was that? Simply because he did not have or experienced salvation in his own heart and life. Fundamentally, that's why he was not a happy son in his father's house. He didn't enjoy his life there. And certainly he wasn't happy, as you heard, about the return of his younger brother, who had left some time before to live it up in a far country of sinful living till he came to his senses and returned home dirty and destitute, but eager to be home. And so when this older son was informed of his brother's return, he didn't jump up and down, so happy to see his younger brother again. No, much the opposite. When he heard of his father's reaction and that a welcome party was in progress, we read in verse 28, but he was angry and refused to go in, that is, into the house of the place where the party was being held. He wanted no part of this celebration. And his father came, when his father came to plead with him to join them in the celebration, he bitterly responded, Look, these many years I've served you, and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, he continues, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, You killed a fattened calf for him. Obviously, this son wasn't happy. Instead, he accused his father of unfairness, even though we can be sure that his father had treated him well. If he had asked for a young goat, his father would certainly have given it to him. In fact, he could just have taken that goat from his father's flock because, as the father replied to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But you know what the real problem was with this older son and what made him so unhappy? It's that he didn't realize he himself was a sinner, a lost sinner who needed salvation. 
And if a person is a lost sinner, he doesn't really know what true joy is. Because lost sinners, deep down, even though they may have a temporal type of happiness or satisfaction in life, don't have an everlasting, secure happiness. That's the point of Jesus. In fact, if you want to know whom Jesus, first of all, had in mind here, you have to, of course, read verses 1 and 2 of Luke 15. Those verses explain why Jesus told these three parables recorded in this chapter. Verses 1 and 2 say, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawn near to him, that is to Jesus, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. That's the context and the background of Luke chapter 15. Jesus welcoming tax collectors and sinners and eating with them. And those were not good people in their, side, in their eyes. Those, those were dirty sinners. Those were the undesirables. Those were the deplorables. They, they were the scum of society, despised by almost all Jews, especially by the leaders of the Jews. But Jesus taught these sinners the gospel, these despicable deplorables, and brought them to salvation and feasted with them. And he showed them how to be truly happy by believing in him and living for him, which many then did. They were like that younger son, you see, who left the father's house to squander his inheritance in a life of sin and debauchery. But by the grace of God, they'd been found They had repented of their sin and turned to the Savior. They come home to the Father whom they had left, God the Father. But more broadly speaking, the younger son represents all sinners who are lost in Adam, all who have squandered their privileged position in God's house, who who have not repented and returned to the Father but who then come to their senses and come back to him. And there is joy, not only in their hearts, but in heaven itself when they return again, all who who are lost but have been found. Uh, You know, when that lost sheep was found, that was earlier in the chapter, the man who found it called all his friends and neighbors together and said to them, Rejoice, he says with me, for I found my sheep that was lost. And then Jesus makes the application in verse 7, Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. That really means those who think they need no repentance, though they do. And when the woman who had lost her coin found it, we read she called her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I found the coin that I'd lost. And again, Jesus makes the application in verse 10. So I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And now in the parable of the lost son, Jesus again expresses the joy of God and his servants when the lost son comes home and is found. But why didn't the older son rejoice when his brother was found? It was because he himself did not know the joy of salvation. We need salvation, first of all, in our hearts, to have joy when other sinners come to salvation. 
And is that salvation joy present in your heart this morning? How critical it is to have that. Because without that salvation, we're lost. And those who are lost will never experience eternal joy and peace because they only face an eternal condition of sadness and suffering in hell. When you come to the Lord's table this morning, you must first know that you're a lost sinner, lost in sin. But then you must also know that you've been found by the grace of God in Christ. Then you can celebrate the Lord's Supper and that salvation symbolized in it with joy. But now let's probe it just a little further and ask uh, why the older son in the parable did not possess salvation then and therefore couldn't experience its joy. Why did he lack salvation? Was, was he a worse son than that younger son? Oh, no. Actually, externally, he was a better son than his younger brother. Was he more, a more rebellious son than his younger brother? No, not that either. He hadn't gone off into the far country uh, to carouse and to sin with his friends and spend all that he had like that younger son had done. So what was his problem then? His problem was, and this is my second point, he didn't see his true condition. He didn't see what it was really like lost in sin. Or if I may put it in positive terms, he was self-righteous. He thought he was good in himself and deserving of his father's favor. He didn't need to repent according to his own thinking because he viewed himself as a good and righteous and worthy son. Listen to what he told his father. I already quoted it from verse 29 when his father came to ask him to join the celebration over his younger brother's return. And he answered his father, Look, these many years I've served you, and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. Notice two things, two things about what this older brother said here. First, he considered his work for his father as really being slaving. He said, Father, look, these many years I've served you. And the word for serve in the Greek language of the New Testament is doulos, which is the common word for slave. In other words, this older son considered his work for his father as basically slaving for him, doing what he had to do. But it was not a service of love and gratitude, but only mere obligation and duty. And notice, secondly, that he told his father, and I never disobeyed your command. Which is like saying, right? I, I've, been, I've been a very good son. In fact, I've been about as perfect as you can find them. I've never disobeyed you. Now, you might think at first, well, isn't that good? To serve your father faithfully? Always do what your father tells you to do. Yes, that is good as far as it goes. But it's not good enough because it was not basically done for this son. From It was basically done out of merely external obligation, not from his heart. And thereby he was totally lacking 
in that heartfelt love and obedience that God demands of us, as you heard again this morning from the summary of the law. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. That was totally lacking. Jesus again was describing, of course, first of all, the attitude of the Pharisees and Jewish scribes who pride themselves on being morally upright. Persons who obeyed God's commands meticulously and thought themselves to be worthy. They were not like those sinful people that Jesus associated with, the tax collectors and prostitutes and the sinners. Instead, they, they were righteous. They were righteous. And yet they were far from it. Their motivation for all their supposed deeds was not to glorify God, but to receive the praise of men. They had never learned what another upright Pharisee came to see when Jesus confronted him on the road to Damascus and then described in his letter to the Philippians what he learned, but what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. Need I count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. I count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own which is from the law, but the righteousness, which is from God by faith. Yes, like Paul, we must always realize that our righteousness comes only from God and is received by faith alone, in Christ alone, the perfect Son. And that's also why we celebrate again the Lord's Supper this morning. We're saved only as we testify, as we partake, that we're saved by the perfect blood and righteousness of Christ. That alone can make the foulest sinner clean. That alone can save us from sin. That alone can rescue us from eternal death. That alone can reconcile us to God. And Dr. Sinclair Ferguson, you may have heard of him. I've read his books or his sermons. He's a wonderful Reformed theologian. And he, he especially loves the parable of the prodigal son. He's written a book on the parable of the prodigal son. And in one of his sermons in that connection is entitled The Parable of the Three Sons. The Parable of the Three Sons. I, I never thought of it that way. One of those sons, of course, is the younger son. And the other, of course, is the older son. Who's the third son in this parable? Well, it's Jesus. Jesus Christ, says Ferguson. God's son, because he's the only son through whom lost sons can be saved. Yes, he's the only son who lives in the house of the Father, who's one with the Father, who can assure lost sinners that they too can receive the saving blessings of the Father and experience the joy of salvation. And so, speaking now of saving blessings, let's note thirdly and lastly this morning a third problem that this older son manifested in his attitude and response. The first we've seen is he lacked the joy of salvation, for he didn't possess salvation. The second, he didn't know his true condition as a sinner who needed to repent, but instead deemed himself righteous in his own heart. And thirdly, thirdly, he did not realize the spiritual privilege and blessing of being in and a part of the Father's house. Listen once more to what 
His father said to him, to this older son, after he complained, you know, about not receiving equal treatment like the younger son had received and, and whom his father had welcomed back home. But, but note well what the father replied to him in verse 31. This is, this is a remarkable verse, uh, I think. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. You see, this older son didn't realize how good he had it in his father's house. Day after day, he could live there and eat there and work there. In fact, he really already virtually possessed everything his father had. Because his father had already divided his estate between his two sons. And so when the younger son insisted on receiving his portion and went off and spent it recklessly, we read at the end of verse 12, and he, the father, divided his property between them, that is, between his two sons. So what was left was only what the older son would inherit. And being the older son, typically, according to Old Testament law, he would receive a double portion of the inheritance. And that's why the father tells his son, all that is mine is yours. And yet, the older son failed to realize how richly blessed he really was. And again, that was the case, too, of all the leaders of the Jews who refused to accept Jesus as, as the one who could provide salvation. After all, they had, received, they had received the revelation of God in the Old Testament. They knew that God had promised to send a Messiah one day to redeem Israel. And they knew that God had chosen Israel to be his covenant people. Yet, foolishly, these Jewish leaders rejected all these special privileges given them by being part of God's people. And well, how privileged you and I here too are as sons and daughters. God the Father tells each of us today, son or daughter, you're always with me, and all that is mine is yours. Yes, we have received all the privileges of being members of God's household, baptized in the church, brought up in Christian homes, possessing the word of God in its fullness, hearing the gospel proclaimed from week to week, knowing the way of salvation, enjoying the fellowship and ministries of the church. And always remember, God didn't have to give any of that to you or me. Any of these blessings as a spiritual inheritance. We had in fact forfeited them as part of the fallen race. But God has given all these things because Christ, his son, he sent him for us that we might receive these blessings. You realize how blessed you are compared to the millions today who are lost sinners in this world who have no idea who Christ is, no idea and never heard of him or what he has done to save sinners. But you know him and we know the way of salvation and the blessing of eternal life through Christ that we can have. So what should our response be to that immense blessing? Oh, may it never be that of the older son of ingratitude and complaint and refusal to rejoice. Because then we indeed have forfeited all of God's blessings of salvation eternally.
But may we rejoice again this morning in all the Father's saving grace. Yes, unlike that older son, let's come and join celebrating God's salvation as we eat the Lord's Supper together, praising Christ for his sacrifice and his death that we might have life and have it to the full. And like the lost son who came home in humble repentance, may we who also by nature are lost in sin then take our place around the table, celebrating with our Savior his gift of salvation, with the words of our Heavenly Father resounding in our hearts. My son, my daughter, all that is mine is yours. I give you all blessings, because even though you were dead in yourselves in sin, I've made you alive again through my only Son. Even though you were lost, I found you, and I brought you to me, that you might have all my blessings to enjoy, not only for this life, but for all eternity. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for the blessing of the gospel, for the assurance of your word again this morning. And we've learned again in a new way, in a fresh way, how richly we are blessed when we who are lost in sin in our natures have been found by Christ, by you the Father in Christ, to belong to you and receive all your blessings so that we can celebrate and rejoice in your salvation. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.